You're tuned in to the Hearing Matters podcast with Dr. Gregory Delfino and Blaze Delfino of Audiology Services and Fader Plugs, the show that discusses hearing technology, best practices, and a growing national epidemic, hearing loss. On this episode, we have special guest Scott Bennell from Sonic Innovation. Scott, welcome to the Hearing Matters podcast. Thanks, Blaze. I'm really excited to be here. And thank you for that warm introduction. Absolutely, Scott. I have to say, we have been looking forward to this episode with you for quite some time. You have such an incredible background. You are an incredibly talented audiologist, musician, and just all around awesome human being. So let's dive right into it. Tell us a little bit about how you became to be an audiologist and started your journey with Sonic Innovations. How I became an audiologist... You know, I was in a uh, kind of a dead-end job in my mid-20s. I had a four-year degree, but I have to be honest, I wasn't the greatest student back then. And I'd started a family, and I realized, you know, you're going to have to go back to school and get a, you know, a graduate degree if you really want to grow up and, and live your life and, uh, and be excited about a career. So I did a little research. I live in Minneapolis, and so I'm um, close to the University of Minnesota, which has a lot of incredible degrees available. So I did some research and I found this degree in audiology, which I didn't know anything about really, but I had been, I have been around people with hearing loss. I have a couple of family members who are deaf and uh, a few that are hard of hearing. And I thought, well, well, this is a great way. uh, This seems like a great field to get into. My only really criteria was have a career where you're helping people in some way. And so I really thought that audiology was a great way to help people. I got my master's degree in my late 20s at the University of Minnesota. I later went on to get my doctoral degree at the University of Florida. Wow. And uh, yeah, and so I had this career as an audiologist all of a sudden, and I was really excited. You know, an audiology is a, it's a clinical degree. The doctoral degree is a clinical doctorate, right? So it's, it's a, you kind of think, well, I'm being trained to be a clinical audiologist. So I'm just going to get in, you know, in a clinical job. And I did that. I really enjoyed my job. I was working at a hospital and we did everything. So it was a lot of variety. We had a vestibular lab, for instance. I don't know if you guys do any uh, vestibular testing. I think you do, right? We actually do not. But Dr. Delfino, he is well-versed and working with the VNG for for many years. So that's incredible. Uh, Wow. Right, right. And I did literally thousands of VNGs back then at this hospital. (laughs) But I also did... And, and we also had the, we also had a full diagnostics. We had rotary chair and posturography machine. We had a lot of stuff. Wow. And we also had, you know, we also sold hearing aids and did a lot of diagnostics with hearing as well. So we had the full gamut of um, diagnostic audiology, if you will. And I really enjoyed it. I worked there for about six and a half years. And I thought, okay, clinical degree. I'm going to be a clinician the rest of my life. That's how I planned it out, right? And as you know, life doesn't always go as planned. Never. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, right. And so in uh, six and a half years, at about six and a half years into this job, all of a sudden I was laid off. And, and I believe, I, forgive me if I'm wrong, but I think that you have a, uh, a lot of job security in your current position at your company. <laughs> well, uh, yeah. the, the pandemic made it a little, <laughs> little nerve-wracking, right, right. Scott. <laughs> right, but yeah, right, I right. hope my mom and dad do not fire me. That would be <laughs> awful. Right. <laughs> right, and that, right, but uh, you know, I thought I had a lot of. I, I thought you know I did a good job, and I was I, felt, I was proud of the, of the work I had done. 
Mm. Uh, but, uh, you know, budget decisions and so forth. And uh, they basically just got rid of our audiology program. And I'll tell you, you've never been laid off of any job. It, it's a it's a bad feeling. <laughs> I'm still angry about it. <laughs> well, I'm I just mean, kidding. No. <laughs> <laughs> Not really. So anyway, I had to look for another job. And I thought, well, I have some clinical. I already had some clinical jobs lined up right away. And all of a sudden, out of the blue, this company called Sonic Innovations, a recruiter called me and they said, well, we'll have the position open in um, Egan, Minnesota at this factory called Sonic Innovations. And I'd heard of the company, but I didn't know much about it as a tech support audiologist. And I thought, well, that was never something that I ever thought I would ever want to do. But one of the big draws for me, and this is kind of seems silly, but I had been commuting from the suburbs to Minneapolis for years and years, 15 plus years, including schooling. And this was more in my backyard. This was a real easy commute. And I thought, man, I would just love to have this easy commute finally. So I said, well, I told him, I'd like to give it a try. And I said, you know, I'm not one of these people who's into hopping jobs. I want to stay in the job. Sure, absolutely. I'm in a job. I want to stay in it for a long time. Right. And so I said, I'll give it my the old college try. And I did did just that. So I started as this tech support audiologist in the company called Sonic, Sonic Innovations at the time. That was 2006, I believe. And then I got to do some different things. I got to be in training and I got to be in management. And I, was, I considered myself really lucky because I got, I've been able to do a lot of different things. And what I love about the job is I'm constantly learning, you know, and, and now I am part of this marketing team and I'm the senior product manager globally for, uh, for Sonic. That's a huge deal, Scott. I mean, you are in a position that is number one, so cool and so fun, right? <laughs> and and yeah. you have that background. You have to be thrilled to go to work every single day. I am. I really am. And uh, and now I'm going to work just means getting out of bed and rolling into my home office. <laughs> <That's the pandemic>. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're totally right. And I love my job. And this is a, a great company to work for. We make great products. They treat their employees really well. And I've been just so fortunate to have this, you know, just be on this constant kind of roller coaster of learning new things. And like I said, I'm part of the marketing team and it's a lot of training. It's a lot of materials development. It's a lot of product development, working with the software developers and, you know, and I'm learning every day. So, well, you're doing an incredible job because just seeing Sonic's marketing materials and how you get the name out there and your incredible products in the hands of the audiologists and licensed hearing healthcare professionals. So important. And, you know, Scott, Mm -hmm. I understand that Sonic has a very interesting origination story. Literally the first company to design a digital completely in the canal hearing aid. Can you give us a look into how Sonic became to be a hearing aid manufacturer? Yes, it's actually a very interesting story. And it started in a a place called Utah with two very prominent researchers in their prospective fields in the mid-90s. Completely in the canal, the CIC hearing aid was extremely popular, right? But it was an analog hearing aid. And so they just started to develop all digital hearing aids, but they're the behind the ear hearing aids and they're kind of big and clunky and a big demand for an all digital completely in the canal hearing aid. So there are these two researchers that got, that got together. One of them's name was Thomas Stockholm and Thomas Stockholm was uh, actually known, was actually being called the father of digital audio. He went to MIT he actually hacked the MIT mainframe when he was going there and recorded his own voice. He, <laughs> he won all wow. these awards. Uh, he actually had the first live all-digital recording 
Holy smokes. I don't know. You're a young guy, Blaze. I don't know if you've heard of Watergate. You know, the infamous Watergate tapes yes. where Nixon had recorded these on real rear recordings from his office, like thousands of hours of, 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 of his meetings and, and so forth. And he and there were parts of those tapes that were missing. And he's one of the Thomas Stockham was one of the guys they brought in to kind of look at those tapes and try to evaluate, you know. Brilliant gentleman. Yeah, he won an Emmy. He won a Grammy. Wow. He won a bunch of other awards in uh, scientific awards. So he was he was at the University of Utah doing research and being a professor. 40 miles away in BYU University, or BYU, there was someone named Douglas Shabriz. And Douglas Shabriz had a very storied career in research. He started off actually working for the Navy as a civilian researcher to help develop the sonar technology. He did that for about 12 years. And then he went to BYU to be a professor and a researcher. And he did uh, he did some simulating of how the human ear and the brain process sound. And he he developed this mathematical model of the inner ear. So wow. it was actually time. Yeah. And so <laughs> these two guys were like brilliant guys. And these guys were in, both 40 miles away. And it was Thomas Stockholm's son who was actually, I believe, getting his MBA or he's doing, I think he might have been his master's project or something. Got these two guys together to build an all digital completely in the canal here in Navy. So they got together and, and built this thing and, you know, they got the signal that they wanted, but they weren't able to fit it into a small hearing aid. Actually, it fit on top of one of those little red wagons that you pull you, your kids around <laughs> in, right? Okay. So size size was uh, was a challenge. Size was a problem. So they had to bring in a third party. And this third person, another pioneer if you, in his field is this Carver Mead. And I think it was Bill Gates who said, if Carver Mead talks, everybody listens. And he was the father of a microelectronics at the time. So he took this technology and he able to fit it into a very small tiny microchip that ran on a 1.5 volt cell battery. So in 1998, they kind of unleashed this uh, hearing aid, all digital CIC into the market at the ADA convention in Monterey, California. I think it was at the time, the Academy of Dispensing Audiologists. They had all, all these people that were wanting this product, right? And they tried to start a factory in Utah. And they hired a guy from Minnesota to be the, to be the uh, plant manager who had experience, but they couldn't do it. Orders just sat on the, they just sat on the shelves. So immediately this plant manager said, we need to go back to Minnesota because at the time, and kind of still is a little bit, Minneapolis, Minnesota area is kind of a mecca for hearing aid manufacturers. So they, it's cold so though. They, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I've lived here a long time, Blaze. Believe <laughs> Let's take a quick break. Running a private practice is challenging, and it's especially difficult if you're using a management software system that's out of date or doesn't really fit your needs. As a former private practice owner, I personally found Cycle to be such an incredible tool that is easy to use and is really in the best interest of my patients. Cycle provides you with industry-specific workflows and features for a smooth-running front office, and if you've been listening to the Hearing Matters podcast, you will know that I believe that the front office staff is really the most important position in a hearing care clinic. Learn more at cycle.com. That's S-Y-C-L-E.com. Enjoy the rest of the episode. So they decide they need to go to Minnesota and team up with 
somebody to fulfill orders. Yeah, exactly. They had to get the talent and there's a lot of talent in Minnesota. And so they're able to move the factory there and start fulfilling these orders. And then it's kind of going on from there. So they kept their research and development in corporate office in Salt Lake City. And then the manufacturing was in Egan, Minnesota. So they went on to develop this CIC, all digital. It was a nine channel instrument. And then they also started doing research on, they were one of the leading researchers on noise reduction and expansion at the, at the early 2000s. Wow. Uh, the thin tube products, remember those became popular. And, yes, yes. And then the receiver and the ear products, which is pretty much most of what's sold these days. So 2010, we actually became part of another organization's. Many industries have become these multi-brand industries, right? Yes. We became part of this multi-brand strategy for a big parent company. At that time, we had researchers, you know, from Salt Lake City, and then we had to move, and some of them actually moved to a new research facility down in, in Bern, Switzerland. And uh, we had to kind of hybridize this all this, this all this technology we had been doing and to the new technology that was already being worked on. And it took us a little bit, a little while, but to kind of hybridize that technology and Absolutely. start figuring out the products we want. Over time, we were able to finally just put out some of the fantastic products. And, you know, I get to be a part of that now and to see kind of that evolution and growth of, of, of uh, really robust, feature-rich products has been uh, a fun thing to see. And a product that helps people hear better, understand speech clear, and affect their overall health and well-being in such a positive way. Scott, understanding and learning about the history of Sonic Innovations, you speak a lot about Sonic's obsession with providing literally the best sound quality and speech understanding and noise as possible, which reminds me of the, the Sonic 4S foundation that I see in most of Sonic's marketing, training literature, things of that nature. Can you please just tell us a little bit more about the Sonic 4S foundation? Yes, absolutely. The 4S foundation was developed right after that merging, if you will, into this multi-brand strategy. We were the, one of the only companies that started with digital products. Most of the other companies out there started with analog products and then moved into digital. Sure. We started right off the bat with digital products. And, and we started right off the bat with not just that, but this, this idea of providing the best possible sound quality by mimicking the cochlea and how the cochlea works based on Douglas Shabriz's research. So we want to keep those roots. Yes. And those value systems, especially after we're kind of part of this different organization. So it used to be Sonic Innovations. Now, technically now it's Sonic with the tagline, every day sounds better. So that was part of our rebrand as we move forward. And the other part was developing something that, that we call the 4S Foundation to make sure that in everything we do as we develop products, as we develop materials, as we do presentations, that we're, we want to make sure that we're kind of sticking to our value system. And this is our, the Forest Foundation is just that, our value system. The first S stands for sound quality, sound that's natural. And again, that has to do with how we process sound, doing everything we can to get, provide the best possible sound quality. The second S is speech understanding and noise. I mentioned earlier, you know, we we're one of the leaders in noise reduction technology and the development of that over time. And we want to do to everything we can to make sure that the listener, that the user, the hearing impaired, have a, a better ability to hear speech and noise and understand speech and noise. The third S is really important to us as well, and that's simplicity in everything we do. In this new multi-brand strategy, we believe that simplicity is one of our tenets that makes us easy to do business with. Absolutely. You know, it was Albert Einstein, who's a good friend of mine. Just kidding. 
But he, uh, Albert Einstein, who said, in everything you do, do it as simple as possible and no simpler. And it was actually Leonardo da Vinci who said, simplicity is the ultimate in sophistication. You've worked with our software, right? Yes, it is very simple to navigate. And it's, but it has everything it's beautiful. You need. To, it has everything you need. It, it's simple in the fact from a user interface standpoint. Now, there's a lot of back end that goes into software development, right? But what your team has done yeah. is said, okay, let's keep it simple for the audiologist and hearing healthcare professional, but still giving the patient that top notch noise management. Absolutely. Right. Exactly right. Well said. And so simplicity is just huge for us. And you also, so our software. And how we do presentations, we believe in straight talk. We do believe in calling a duck a duck, you know, when we talk about our technology. The, the fourth S is stylish design. You know, back in the mid-2000s, we, we developed the smallest mini BTE ever made at the time and the smallest receiver in the product. We want to bring stylish design in our products, in our branding, in our marketing. And kind of somewhere with that fourth S is this reliability idea. I'm going to throw that in there with, with that fourth S because we have some of the most reliable products on the market. Which we will definitely vouch for. You absolutely do. Thank you. So, Scott, I personally know that Sonic has been known in the marketplace as a leader when it comes to noise management technology. When we discuss noise management, we know that the majority of our patients that we see struggle to understand speech in noise. Tell us a little bit about the noise management strategies and what is available nowadays through Sonic and your incredible products. Right. You know, noise management is incredibly important. And I like to say we need to clean the signal before we process it. And that really means improving the signal to noise ratio, but also providing a comfort and ease of listening as well. So how do we clean the signal? We use directional microphones and noise reduction technology. And directional microphones are something we've had for a while now, but the evolution of this technology has really grown. But the whole idea around a directional microphone, basic idea is that the hearing aid wearer or the listener is facing the, the speech, the speech source, the person talking. By using directional microphone technology, which is essentially two microphones in one, mm-hmm. we can kind of focus on what's in front and then reduce gain and sounds from the side and the back. Currently, what we're using, an adaptive beamforming microphone technology, and we're doing it in uh, 24 frequency bands. And so we have a real high resolution when it comes to, to using directional microphones. And so our directional microphones can go from completely omnidirectional. They're very adaptive, right? So they, they're completely adaptive. It can go from completely omnidirectional to completely directional. And it uses a thing called focus null steering, which is uh, a lot of hearing aid manufacturers use this. And it's this ability to kind of move the null points. The null points on a directional microphone system is where we're going we're gonna to reduce the amplification. And that it should be where the noise source is coming from. So we want to create null points in that directional pattern from where the noise source is coming from. So the noise source can be always changing. You know, When you move your head, the noise source is changing. Yes. So you need a really complex, sophisticated system to keep up with those changing noise sources. And that's what we have. The other piece of it is the noise reduction, right? 10, 15 years ago, the headphones with noise canceling technology became real popular, right? Oh, huge. Absolutely. Yeah. And they still are. But um, those headphones were actually based on hearing aid research you know, from hearing aid manufacturers. I always say it's not hard anymore 
to develop an algorithm that's going to reduce noise. Algorithms are modulation-based, right? And we know that uh, uh, when there's a lot of noise in the background, it creates this waveform of steady-state noise, which is identifiable. Mm-hmm. And speech doesn't have that. Speech has a real distinct waveform. And we know, yes. we know speech has vowels and consonants. And so we can identify speech and identify noise, and we can use real sophisticated technology to reduce that steady-state noise. But you have to be able to preserve the speech, and you, re- you need an incredibly fast and adaptive system to do that because this system has to estimate the signal-to-noise ratio at all times. So by estimating the signal-to-noise ratio, it can know when the speech is kind of mixed up in the noise and when the speech is above the noise and kind of vary the amount of noise reduction applied with those signals. So how fast are we talking, Scott, in terms of the sonic hearing technology being able to, to scan the environment and make those adjustments? Good question. You know, we're talking about processing speeds. It has to be very fast. And sampling, like sampling at 20,000 samples per second. Wow. So those digitizing speeds. But the other real key is your, your, your attack and release times. And attack and release times has to do with compression and how we apply compression. But here at Sonic, even from day one, we've had incredibly fast attack and release times. You know, back in 1998. And uh, you have very fast attack and release times then you can kind of always know that signal to noise ratio and be able to estimate it to kind of see where the noise is at and where the speech is at and to be able to apply noise reduction in the best possible way. Scott, I want to dovetail off a term you had just previously said. It was digital signal processing. Now, digital signal processing or DSP does seem to often be overlooked when selecting a hearing aid for a patient And with all the options available, like direct streaming, telehealth, hearing fitness apps, etc., there is so much out there, right? So can you speak to the importance of digital signal processing when selecting a hearing aid? Yes, and and you're right. I do think that digital signal processing is often overlooked. And we spend a lot of money on research and development. About $90 million a year, right? Close to it, yeah. Yeah, it's it's not it's, a it's not a small penny. <laughs> yeah, right. And that's kind of what people want. You know, one of the reasons why hearing aids can be a little pricey. Research and development is very important, and, and you can choose how many, what eggs, kind of like what eggs are you going to put in which basket. Yeah, and we put a lot of eggs in our basket of signal processing and, and noise management. The technology's grown so much, and there's a million different reasons for somebody to buy a hearing aid. I look back to an article back in 2013 by. Zero and Sousa was just about selecting the optimal digital processing for your patient. And it looked at some of the market track research back then. And it's, it saw that, you know, what, what are hearing care professionals, what factors are they using to select a hearing aid for a patient? And really the top things they were using, the price of the hearing aid. So they're, they're choosing a hearing aid based on price and they were for their patients and choosing a hearing aid based on how it looked on the patient, you know, how small it was. But the digital signal processing was really low on the list. Hmm. In this article, that what they also did was they they wanted to look at digital signal processing because fast processing versus slow processing because fast processing is going to have more benefits than most people, but sometimes you want slow processing. So I was looking at fast processing and actually the processing, the attack and release times I was talking about, how quickly you can apply on compression and release compression. Yes. It looked at the attack and release times of a, a ton of different manufacturers independently in their lab and to see what kind of numbers we were going to see and how fast people were actually doing attack and release times. And guess who had the fastest attack and release time in the industry? Hmm. Sonic. Hey, right, right, right. Good guess. 
that was back in 2013. I don't know if that kind of study has ever been recreated, but we still use those. That's still very important to us using the very the fastest attack and release times available. But we can provide the best possible digital signal processing. Absolutely. Back 20, 25 years ago, we kind of went from this thing like, well, maybe we shouldn't just amplify sounds in a linear fashion, like so every sound, because we have to fit people's dynamic range of hearing aid. And I've listened to a lot of your podcast plays, and I know you've talked about this before, but this idea of this a patient has a dynamic range that's available to them based on their hearing loss, and we want to make sure that we're fitting soft sounds, keeping the soft sounds soft, but the loud sounds not too loud. And then the conversational sounds would be about, we're just about right. So we want to be able to sure that, 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 we, that we do that accurately. And back 20, 25 years ago, we did that through multi-channel compression channels. Channels are sequential and overlapping frequency bands within fixed bandwidths. And multi-channel compression works by splitting the input signal into separate frequency bands and determining at a street level within each frequency band and applying compression in each band based on that level. So it's kind of an average of an average. Okay. But it did have some kind of side effects. If you take an average of an average of an average, you can tend to kind of flatten the overall spectrum of the signal. You kind of lose frequency contrast. So the result is an amplification that doesn't sound as natural as it could be. Okay. That sometimes can be a little bit robotic, or a little bit distorted in the high frequencies sometimes. Because we have the evolution of digital technology and we have more processing power and more memory to use and we're constantly developing new computer chips to be able to do that even better, we decided to use this wideband signal analysis. Okay, so instead of processing channels, we're still using like a variable compression ratio, but this wideband signal analysis keeps the whole wideband spectrum intact. And if you think about how the cochlea functions with the basilar membrane, and I don't want to get too deep in, it's because I'm going to get in a lot of trouble because it's been a while since I was in school, right? The basilar membrane is tonotopically organized by frequency, and yes. it's a very fluid system. You think if we broke up the basilar membrane into little diff small basilar membranes by frequency, would that be a better system? My guess is it would not, right? We, we want that nice fluid system. So we're trying to develop a system that has that same fluidity, okay? And what it does is it kind of preserves the frequency contrast. And again, what you were saying earlier is essentially your thought process behind that research and development is to try your best to introduce products to patients that act and sound like the cochlea, essentially. Right. Scott, you mentioned compression. Can you tell us a little bit more what compression actually is when it comes to hearing aid processing and really what Sonic's doing differently when it comes to applying compression in a hearing aid? Right. And compression is something that we first use in the industry because the outputs of hearing aids, once they got loud, the system would cut off the peaks. And they called that peak clipping. And it was incredibly annoying and a horrible way to do things. And it sounded, it made the hearing aid sound terrible, right? And, and the best analogy I had, and I had this when I was in graduate school, but the, is a, if you think about a sailboat, if a sailboat couldn't get under the bridge, if they could reduce the mass and the sail, then they can get under the bridge. So that's that's the first kind of ways we use compression in hearing aids was to kind of push the sailboat under the bridge by, by compressing the sounds once they got too loud. As wide dynamic range compression started to evolve, we used compression also to make sure that soft sounds were being amplified appropriately. We used compression ratios that were much lower that allowed soft sounds to still be amplified a little, you know, a little bit more, but made sure those loud sounds weren't getting overamplified. Yes. And one of the things Sonic is doing differently with compression is we found over time 
that compression can have a real effect on a speech and noise environment. Yes. Yes. So Blaze, think about the fitting rationales that you that you have available to you as a hearing care professional, right? You have generic fitting rationales like NAL2 and DSL, and then you have proprietary fitting rationales for whatever brand you're using. So we call our proprietary fitting rationale best fit fast. Those fitting rationales are designed for a speech and quiet environment when you think about it, and they work great. I think you might agree with me that you could put you can use any hearing aid manufacturer. Any manufacturer's hearing aid is going to sound good in a speech and quiet environment. You can bring them into the booth and do your real ear that you're doing and fit it to the patient's hearing loss as best you can. And, and they're going to say, okay, this I'm sitting in a sound booth. Everything sounds great, right? It's going to sound great. <laughs> right. But what happens when they go out in the real world where there's complex listening environments everywhere you look? And most people are going from one complex listening environment to the next. The number one problem that you occur when it comes to, to hearing aids and processing speech is speech and noise continues to be difficult. But in a speech and noise environment, we tend to overcompress the signal, especially in the high frequencies, and we're causing distortion and a less than desirable result when it comes to listening to speech and noise. And kind of the research showed that actually having less compression in a speech and noise environment was going to be a better way to do it. Mm. So we developed a compression algorithm a few years back. We called it Smart Compress. So what this algorithm does is it kind of estimates the signal to noise ratio at fast and slow speeds, and to always know when there's speech and when there's noise. And when there's a speech and noise environment, we're going to reduce the amount of compression. Just to dovetail off what you're saying, the in-house case study that I shared with with you, Mm -hmm. actually Mike Gricko sent it your way. Shout out to our good friend, Mike. (laughs) Yes. When it comes to Sonic's ability to increase speech understanding and decrease listening effort. It really is incredible what you and your team have done with the hearing technology that you have and continue to develop. The research findings that we had, my, myself and Dr. Delfino, absolutely amazing. We had patients who presented with severe speech and noise scores. And with the Sonic, we actually tested the Sonic Captivate 100s, increased overall speech understanding significantly in noisy situations. That's great to hear that. And we hear that a lot, but it's nice that you are able to like document it in your yes, absolutely. In your own little case studies. It's fantastic. Scott, I want to thank you again for joining us on the Hearing Matters podcast. For those tuned in, please tune in next week because Scott is going to be joining us again talking about Sonic's newest hearing aid, the Radiant. Until next time, hear life story. Thanks again for tuning into the Hearing Matters podcast today. I'm your host, Blaze Delfino, and on behalf of our entire team, thank you so much for the support. Truly, it means so much to us. Head on over to the Apple Podcast app and share your thoughts. What did you like most about this episode and what do you like most about our podcast? Five-star reviews are always appreciated. And also head on over to Instagram, hit that follow button, and let's connect. And as a team, we can continue to help our community hear life story.